Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This Welcome to Syndicate, a film and TV podcast. From our screens to your watch list, we gather to share and discuss your next favorite. Join us as we want you to spend less time scrolling and more time watching. And now, here's your host, Armand Haddad. Hello, and welcome to Syndicate, where we want you to spend less time scrolling and more time watching. I'm your host, Armand Haddad, and welcome to episode four. This season, we are exploring the hidden gems of films, or films you probably passed over watching. Joining me in the studio today is Anthony. Anthony, how are you doing today? I'm well. How are you? I'm good. I'm excited to talk about the movie. Yes. So currently, Anthony is a student advisor for a university here in the Chicago area. So I would say, Anthony, you are very accustomed to the idea of individuality by guiding and helping students find their way in college. (laughs) Especially at the, with it being online, it's no personal contact. So you have a, it's a different kind of <laughs> form of communication, email, phone. Would you say it's easier or harder? Hard. Really? Yeah. There's a, you know, when you're, there's a, you lose something when it's not, you know, face to face. So there's a different type of way to, you know, make sure you get your point across, make sure the students understand. Because, you know, you kind of lose that when you're not face-to-face. So would you say, I would think, like, with more technology, it would be easier to reach people. It is, but, you know, with us being an open enrollment university, we have a lot of people from different backgrounds. So it's it's sometimes a challenge, especially if they're overseas, active military. Oh. Um, yeah, so it could be a challenge. I could see that. It's always a challenge. And... uh Speaking of, individuality and technology are central themes in the film we are about to discuss, and that is THX 1138. So, let's get into it. What were your thoughts going into the movie, and what did you think the movie was before watching it? Well, when I saw the, you know, brief plot summary of the movie, it reminded me immediately of a recent movie called Equals. Okay. Um, 
distributed by A24. I think that's Kristen Stewart, and I can't recall the actor, the male lead in the movie. But um, so I was thinking something along the lines of forbidden love Mm -hmm. because of uh, where society has, I guess, uh, digressed to instead of progressed. Right. Um, But also seeing when this movie was made, was it 1971? Yes. 1971 directed by George Lucas. Yes. That's well, that's what got (laughs) me really excited because for me, I only know George Lucas through star Wars Mm -hmm. Going to put it out there, not Indiana Jones fan. I saw Crystal Skulls, <laughs> which I know everyone hated. I thought it was pretty good. <laughs> um, so I only know George Lucas through Star Wars. Okay. Um, so when I saw that this was his first movie, I got excited. I'm like, okay, it's something, you know, different, but still along the science fiction, you know, uh, themes. Yeah. But I also thought it was going to be corny. Really? Because Star Wars is kind of corny? Well, no. I thought usually science fiction movies in that era Mm -hmm. could either be like Stanley Kubrick-esque or B-movie, like cringy. Like Barbarella? Yeah, and I thought it was going to be more sort of the cringy, (laughs) but when I was pleasantly surprised to have that... It felt like a Stanley Kubrick movie to me, okay. how it was filmed, the the tone. So I was very pleasantly surprised uh, with that. Yeah. Like, I could totally see it be, like, an offshoot of 2001 A Space Odyssey. Like, not exactly Earth, but, like, maybe, like, a colony or, like, a wayward alien civilization that um, those astronauts would encounter. In like, the in the same... Y- same universe as yeah. 2001 a space odyssey for oh, sure yeah. mm-hmm. so let's talk about the setting um so the movie opens up and we're introduced to a world that's quite alien to ours um it's very i would say it's very of the time very 60s um aesthetic which is like concrete buildings um white um lots of white oh yeah very and I think it's because, like, the reason why there's lots of white is because um, the budget was so low. Like, it was under a mil- it was under a million dollars the movie, and I don't know if it grossed that much no, at I don't the time. Think it did. I think I actually looked it up. I was curious. I think it was seven hundred and seventy-seven thousand dollar budget for that time. Uh-huh. So I think for present time, it was only a few million, and I think it only grossed. A couple million in that time, so it wasn't a big yeah. box office success. I would say that's probably a dud. You know, it's funny. Um, so George Lucas was kind of like the protege of Francis Ford Coppola, and Francis Ford Coppola instructed him like, "Hey, you need to write a screenplay for me. Like, this will be your first movie." And George Lucas was like, "Okay, let me make it a science fiction film, very avant-garde science fiction film." Mm-hmm. And as I was watching, I haven't seen it since I was like a young boy because I was a fan of star Wars. I was like, let me see George Lucas's earlier work. So I watched that with American graffiti and seeing THX, his first film definitely stood out for me growing up because I don't know, maybe that molded me as an artist because it's so weird. Mm -hmm. It's a very, very strange movie. And the dialogue doesn't really explain 
everything to you? You kind of like have to make inferences of what's happening. Yes. And actually, that's one of the big critiques I have mm-hmm. of the film. I think that there's, a, for me, there's a difference between making your own inferences and this just almost omitting a lot of context. Mm. And because um, the movie's only an hour and 20 minutes long. Yep. I feel like you could have added on some time just to give us a little more context on some of the characters' motives. Yeah. Uh, because it was very unclear. And then as events unfold, you need some of that context to uh, fill in, you know, some of the blanks there. Yeah. And apparently the lack of context was deliberate from Lucas because he wanted to create a film that um, wasn't like a film about aliens for humans. It was like, if we were opening a door in an alien civilization and just like peeking in, because like, if you were to do that in real life, you wouldn't know what's happening. People wouldn't explain things to you like, Oh, this is where they take their medicine. This is where they get their objects. It's like, what's happening. Let me try and figure it out. But yeah, as for a movie, like it can be very jarring for like a general population to like watch this film and be like i don't know what's happening because there's many moments where i was like i don't know what's happening i mean i felt like the i felt like it was for the most part straightforward as far as where it was heading i just i felt like um do you want to get into plot a little bit here okay since we're talking about thx 1138 a thing that we like to do at syndicate is called the 62nd elevator pitch Stand clear of the closing door. So when you're recommending a movie to somebody, like they always ask, well, what's the film about? So this is your chance to explain the entire plot of the movie without major spoilers in 60 seconds. Are you ready? I'm ready. And go. All right. THX 1138 is a dystopian science fiction film where a vague unknown kind of maybe government agency has controlled its population by taking medications to suppress any kind of emotion um so thx 1138 is the main character every seconds everyone has uh uh a designation and uh so basically uh his drugs get messed up and uh, he goes on this little fugitive adventure to uh, find out the secret of what's going on. Wow, with 10 seconds to spare. Yeah, that's pretty much the whole plot. It's a very simple movie. Um, but yeah, let's, uh, let's get into the, the plot. So the, the movie opens up with uh, THX 1138 and his roommate, LUH. So what did you think of their dynamic? It was interesting because uh, she... And that, and that's going back to what we were talking about. Her motive was it was interesting, but I wanted you know a little bit more context on that. So basically, right. she uh, she was in love with him, mm-hmm. and in order for her for him to f- feel that back, she adjusted the government sanctioned prescription medication yep. that he everyone gets. Um, in order for him to, you know, be able to feel love. Uh, so they had some very passionate scenes mm-hmm. in the film throughout. Uh, 
but you know her her motive how she got off the medication i think was a little bit unclear as well right it wasn't really explained how she got off but it's definitely explained through thx like how he got off because like you said she messed with his government sanctioned uh medication to keep him in line um from what i gathered why they take so much medication is to follow orders be like a kind of like an efficient machine creating robots and then we find out later in the movie that it's a society run by robots those uh police officers like they pretty much rule with an iron fist literally because they're made of metal and yeah i I thought that was weird like it's a society run by robots like how did the robots get in charge in the first place that and i I found a little easter egg in there i don't know if you noticed it but one he his job is to build robots Mm -hmm. and did you notice that that one looked like (laughs) c3po yeah a little bit so um we watched the director's cut of uh thx 1138s and so it has um better special effects or improved special effects so i think george lucas wanted to make a little nod a little wink to his main audience and star wars fans by Making the robot look kind of like C-3PO. Definitely gold. Shiny <laughs> yeah. gold. Yeah, he's building Goldenrod over there. And speaking of Goldenrod, like, so they're nuclear-powered robots? Is that what you gathered? Yeah, it looked like some kind of uranium-type, I don't know, like cylinder that he needed to yeah. drop in there. And, of course, under that kind of pressure, he uh buckled to it you can say as he mm-hmm. dropped it a few times and caused yeah. a near meltdown yeah so that's because so um so he's building these robots and we find out earlier in the movie that a meltdown occurred and this huge explosion happened and um some workers died and there's a booming voice over the intercom saying like be alert um avoid workplace casualties and that was like the precursor to what's going to happen with uh, THX, which is um, that he's going to get off his medication. And he has a very stressful job by putting these uh, pretty much nuclear waste modules into the robots, which I assume are the batteries. And so he's like freaking out. And it doesn't help that the government knows that he's not taking his medication they're like keeping an eye on him so they do what this what it's called they do um like a a mind freeze or something which scrambles his brain which almost destroys the entire plans and that was one of my favorite scenes when um after you know the they found out that he was off his his drugs and they're kind of basically controlling him remotely and you know making him he's in this room by himself it's all white which is a lot of uh a lot of the scenes where there's punishment or something going on yeah. um th- you don't see it, any depth to the setting that they're in it's just like this white uh abyss endless abyss and uh they're controlling him remotely and you know moving his arms and his legs and making him almost like seize on the floor so it yeah. just shows the kind of power that uh, these overlords have oh yeah very creepy so let's get into the dystopian nature of this film uh for me growing up when i watched this i think this was one of the first uh dystopian type movies i watched so i think that 
molded my tastes in movies because it's definitely a, an interesting outlook because when you look towards the future you think it's going to be like optimistic and hopeful but the opposite can happen which i thought was fun with for this with it being a george lucas movie because uh, you know being so used to star wars it's everything's about hope and good overtaking evil yep. and it was it was funny that his first movie was the complete opposite <laughs> of that yeah so um which is not going into it not something i was expecting um, I was expecting this along the same lines as as Star Wars or what I know of Indiana Jones, like that adventure where, you know, our heroes overcome those obstacles because you know that they're going to. But mm -hmm. in this, you there was never a moment in the film where you felt like THX was going to overcome it. Right. Like, like throughout the entire movie, like you feel like, he can get snatched up or caught or killed at yeah. any moment. Like with uh, Luke Skywalker, like you feel like he is going to defeat the enemy, blow up the Death Star and all that stuff. So I would say it makes it more like tension filled to have your protagonist not like you don't know. It's kind of like the Game of Thrones of sci-fi. It's like, is he going to make it? I don't really know. And what helped build on that tension is and why I also felt that connection to like 2001 a space odyssey is that a lot of the scenes were very drawn out mm -hmm. very long um where it helps build that anxiety uh especially at like the scene after he was caught he was in a prison with some other uh people who you know were f caught for whatever reason and uh just the scenes were very drawn out and you see like kind of how these people are off the the medication right. and how they tr you know truly feel about things. And you know what's interesting about those other inmates that he's with. Um, so THX is you know THX, and then his lover was LUH. Um, I interpreted THX as um, kind of like a an acronym for sex, which is forbidden in their society, and then LUH is love, which is also forbidden. Um, so his cellmates, one of them was called. NCH, which can be short for Nietzsche. And like all of his dialogue is um, aligned with Nietzsche's teachings. And then PLO is short for Plato. And like same thing with that actor. Um, all of his dialogue can be similar to uh, Plato. So I thought that was like interesting and funny that George Lucas put those um, Easter eggs in there by naming. Um, those prisoners after philosophers and like having their dialogues be aligned with what they believed and their worldview. Mm -hmm. And I think that's thematically important because um, THX is trying to break out of his prison, both uh, the actual cell that he's in and also the society that imprisons him. Yeah. He's trying to break out of the prison, like both in his head, in the cell and the society that he's in. And I think that's very prevalent in a lot of dystopian movies where you have the protagonist and then they realize like the world that they live in and then they want to, you know, get out. Um, I think a good um, similar film to uh, THX 1138 is 1984 and a brave new world. Like, did you have those vibes as you were watching it? Like 
for those that don't know 1984 like the the main crux of the movie is um you have uh, a civilian uh winston smith and then he falls in love with julia and in that society love is forbidden because then you procreate and then you know the government can't really regulate um like the population that way so they keep them under like authorian rule so they don't like do things that aren't supposed to and thx seems to be like a big that's like a big uh, influence for that movie like did you get those vibes at all um no i yeah i definitely got that uh like george orwell uh that was one thing that definitely came to mind watching it stanley kubrick as far as you know the film you know cinematography goes um but yeah it, it definitely that seemed like a popular theme in this you know in these those years of the late 60s early 70s because i think it was that technological start of the technological transition and i think a lot of people feared that and this is kind of the art that came out from it because and we're still going through that today with artificial intelligence you know how is that going to impact our lives and uh, there's definitely a lot of parallels you can draw from you know late 60s early 70s -hmm. to now where we're still fearing the same things yeah and then going off of that i would say the movie is definitely a reflection of 60s life because you have uh the consumerism aspect of it which is so thx throughout the entire movie um uh it's it's made it it's it's seen like he's like a, a religious man because he atones and he prays to a picture of jesus was that jesus it was jesus okay like i thought it was kind of their state edited version of jesus yeah it's weird because like it's like a 17th century picture of jesus so i don't know how this alien civilization found it maybe maybe it's like the far future where like humanity has like destroyed and maybe they found like this remnant from our civilization but every single line of dialogue because he's in the confession booth like confessing to uh this picture and what the picture says is buy more be happy well everything he says is everything that thx 1138 confesses it's ver- their jesus christ version is called omm zero 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 it's all like a pre-recorded response mm-hmm. so there isn't an, an actual interaction going on between the two which is obvious to the to the viewer but i think in thx's mind i don't think that was anything that he may have picked up on because he Mm -hmm. was just confessing to this portrait as if you know there was a real human being there and was giving him meaningful um guidance right and then I thought that was actually one of my favorite scenes just because it was so, um, I think it just depicted very well the the attitude of what's going on in this, uh, this uh, dystopian world. And then he ends the, the confession with, you are a true believer, blessings of the state, blessings of the masses, work hard, increase production, yep. prevent accidents, and be happy because they were very proud that in the last period, they only lost 195 workers compared Jeez. to 242 by the competitor. <laughs> the competitor. 
Makes you think, like, who is the competitor? Yeah, is it, like, another civilization? We don't get any uh, access to that in mm-hmm. film. Yeah. So, yeah, like, that whole... And then, like, later on in the movie, um, which I really enjoyed. So, like, when he's on meds, like, he gets those pre-recorded messages and he, like, believes it. And then when he goes back to the confession booth off his meds, like, he gets sick in the confession booth and he, like, throws up and he's, like, not responding to the painting and the painting is just giving those canned responses of like, yes, yes, tell me more. You are a good believer. And it's like, I think it's, he knows it. Yeah, it's like, it reminded me of like a therapist who's totally checked out of their patient's uh, session. So they're sitting on their chair playing hangman or something like in their notepad because <laughs> yes, they really yes. don't care <laughs> what's being said. Yeah. And then like later on in the movie, another character, SEN, who was in the... Uh, prison with um, THX, he ends up finding the TV production area for those paintings. So it's like an image that's being recorded and being sent out. And he still believes up until the end while THX sees behind, kind of like the Wizard of Oz moment where he sees behind the curtain and realizes it's all a sham. So, and then another link to like 60s life being an allegory is the fear aspect like both towards uh the government like like the overruling power like you must comply and obey and also the fear of being different because um thx embodies like individuality while the rest of civilization uh embodies uniformity both in their shaved heads their all white clothing like Everyone taking meds to be, you know, essentially robots in flesh. And the part that really stands out for me, like to relate it back to 60s life, is the trial scene when they find out he's been having, you know, sex with LUH and they call him an erotic. Yes. Yeah. I remember that. I remember laughing out loud to that one. Yeah. It was a very interesting way to put it. Yeah, and like during that scene, they're like, it was like McCarthyism, like, oh, he's an erotic. And like, I think there was like a lawyer figure saying like, I, my client has never been or has never like thought of being an erotic, which parallels, I have never been, nor am I a communist. I thought that scene was very interesting because what we knew of the society up until that point, everything was very structured, very black and white, no gray area. Yep. And I felt that this scene was interesting because they had a trial. With, and leading up to that point, it felt as if if you had done something wrong, there, that was it, and you mm-hmm. were going to be sent to whatever punishment you know that was there. So I thought that was very interesting that they they did argue over the crimes that he was being accused of, and so I thought that was interesting because it didn't seem as if anyone would have had an opportunity to be, uh, you know, not convicted of you know the crime that that they were on trial for. Right, like because yeah, it made it seem like if you fell out of line, you were taken out very quickly. But it seems like they want to keep people around because it would be, I guess, harder to you know replace everybody in like a timely manner. Um, would you say that the fears of the '60s are still relevant today? 
Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, circling back to what I talked about with AI, um, I think, you know, and this was obviously something brought up in our current presidential elections and debates yep. with, uh, there's, there is a fear that with amongst, you know, working class people that slowly they can see that artificial intelligence is replacing those jobs. Um, so where does, where does that AI takeover start? It's going to start somewhere. And yeah. obviously along the production line is kind of the ground zero for it. And then obviously in this movie, we don't know where the starting point was, yeah. but we could, you know, let's just assume that they follow the same lines that we're dealing with in 2020. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it, the AI went from building cars to being our overlord. So I think that that has always been something that's hung over the heads of humanity. Um, and I don't know if a lot of people take it seriously. And who knows if... People are. Like a presidential candidate, Andrew Yang, that was his big platform. And that may have been the first time that was ever really seriously discussed right. in a presidential you know, debate or election or anything like that. And that, but that's why I feel like, you know, it, that notion is out there, but I don't know how serious it really is taken by the masses. Um, I think you need to be working in those fields to kind of see what's happening. I mean, just the other day I was at Taco Bell and they don't even have, uh, cashiers anymore. It's you, you walk in and they've got screens set up. Really? And you just order off the screen and then they, it, you know, goes to their computer in the back Wow! and they make it and bring it out. So, I mean, there's still obviously workers to make the food, mm-hmm. but they've eliminated, you know, basically a cashier position. So you could, you could see that AI has already taken over. Yeah. And that's right now it's for the bottom line to like save money. Um, but I could totally see it morphing and becoming like a larger issue if it's unchecked. I think that's ultimately the fear is we'll be enslaved by our own creation. Yes. And that's terrifying. But I think... One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's a lot of people, like of prominence that are worried about AI. Um, Stephen Hawking, before he passed away, he was saying, he was talking about the dangers of um, AI and how we should not proceed with it. Uh, Steve Wozniak also voiced his concerns saying like, this is not a good idea. 
Uh, Elon Musk also said AI is not a good idea. So like all these people that are very, very smart that know technology are saying, do not proceed with AI. And yet we're not listening. It's all about that bottom line. Or do you think it's like a, a, another ulterior motive? Do you think there are people that want to be enslaved by robots? I mean, it wouldn't make life easier, wouldn't it? It would. I, but I think that AI also opens up the possibility of things that humanity can't access. So there is, while there's a fear, I think there's also an excitement about, like, let's use the example of Mars. Mm-hmm. Currently, we can't send humans to Mars, but what if we had the ability to put a robot just like us on the planet where we can almost live that experience vicariously through that AI? Um, you know, so Mars has only been explored via, you know, rovers, but right. to have that human touch to it, um, I think would be a big step if, you know, down the road that if we were to colonize, I think AI would have to be the the front line and being able to do something like that with since, you know, space is the final frontier. It really is. Um, yeah, I never thought of it that way. I mean, it would make sense if we could create like a, a robot that is humanoid and like explore that way. Um, I guess Boston Dynamics needs to step up their game and get yeah. some robots I'll send those to shoot them off in a SpaceX rocket. And let's take it a step further. Okay, so I'm sure you are familiar with uh, alien life. Very familiar with alien life. (laughs) So, and you you love ancient aliens, right? Not so much anymore. Um, I was. I was like on board with that. (laughs) Like in the heyday of ancient aliens, I was on board. I think, you know, I... I think a lot of what those theories that they present, I think there is some merit to it, but you know, once we start talking about is Bigfoot an alien or, (laughs) or all that stuff, I kind of start tuning it out. But uh, I mean, I think there is some merit to that theory. So I'm sure. So the reason why I bring it up is because uh, you're talking about AI robots, humanoid. Uh, There is a theory that the classical alien with the big head and the big, uh, black eyes, uh, called the grays. Um, those are actually AI. Those are robots sent either from another civilization or maybe humans from the future. Do you think if we progress in AI, we would get to that stage of like having robots that pretty much look like organic things? Yeah. I mean, that would make a lot of sense that, I mean, we haven't done it when we do our, you know, interplanetary uh, exploration. We don't send humans. We send, you know, probes and, and rovers and things like that. So just be, you know, we could mirror that to what we do. So if there was a advanced race out there wanting to, you know, look at us, they probably wouldn't send themselves there. They would send something else. So their interpretation of a, a probe or a rover is a UFO with little gray people in there so um i think that's definitely uh a feasible theory i mean it makes sense to me relating it back to thx what did you think of the design of the robot guards it it had that 60s 
feel to their design. Yeah. They were in all black. Uh, their face is like chromed, chromed out. out. They have like, you know, like a riot gear kind of helmet yeah. on. But what's really funny, they obviously, how they're, how those uh, police droids are implemented is in a very Gestapo kind of way. Yeah. But the funny thing about it is they're like the most polite <laughs> kind of police officers because they're always like oh everything will be okay just come with us like you'll be fine like right. you know trying to soothe the fears of whoever they're trying to capture but it's, it doesn't always end that way they're they have their politeness but mm-hmm. if you continue to not obey they will beat you with their batons right it's like come with me please yeah as they raise their baton yeah <laughs> It's like, oh, okay, sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel good now. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I wanted to bring it up because, um, so THX is trying to escape. That's the kind of like the main theme, mm-hmm. like going into the unknown. And it's a theme that I feel that George Lucas explores a lot in his movies because, uh, the person getting that call to adventure. And then going off into the unknown. Uh, you see it in Star Wars with uh, Luke Skywalker, the farm boy, and he goes off on an adventure. Uh, it's also uh, in American Graffiti, where the main character, uh, I think is Ron Howard, and he gets that call to go off and to like have fun with his friends and race cars. So it's a theme that George Lucas likes to explore a lot. I would say it's the big like theme in life. So it's like, you have the familiarity and then something happens and then you have a choice either go out on an adventure and it's not always easy or remain stagnant and you don't grow as a person and you just refuse the call. So a lot of movies that we reviewed so far in syndicate explores that and it wasn't intentional. It just kind of happened that way. Like Truman show uh, had that where uh, Jim Carrey realizes that he's, um, in a world that's fabricated and then he has a choice either to stay or to leave. And I think that mirrors THX too. We can get into the ending of the movie now. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. So after he was imprisoned, him and SEN? Uh, yeah, so it's THX, SEN, and they meet kind of like a kind of like the obi-wan character he's a hologram so he's kind of like this mystical technological person that looks like a human but used for entertainment purposes because earlier in the film part of their entertainment is watching these holographic performances so they meet that actor yeah holographic actor who helps them yes escape yeah he was kind of like a a commercial for a car, like a used car commercial. Yes. Amongst other things. Yes. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They keep the population subdued and to relieve their urges, they have like pornography displayed. Yeah. 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 Very he's strange. One of the actors in that too. Um, but yeah, they, uh, he's imprisoned after his trial that we talked about where he was found guilty of being an erotic Mm-hmm. And uh, they're in this big white abyss, him and SCN and uh, PLO. Yep. And other various uh, <laughs> inmates. 
and um, THX decides, well, after uh, this rousing speech by SCN, uh, Blofeld from James Bond. He's Blofeld? He's Blofeld. Okay, so that's uh, Donald... Donald Pleasant. Yeah, because I, I know him from Halloween as uh, Dr. Loomis. Yes. Yeah, that's how I, I forgot knew. he was in Halloween. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But as a big James Bond fan, I immediately was like, that's Blofeld. See, I didn't recognize him without that giant scar without on his face. the scar and the white cat. Um, <laughs> so yeah, uh, after a, a rousing speech by Blofeld... Um, <laughs> THX decides he's just going to walk in a direction and try to get out. Yes. And SCN decides to follow him. And uh, they start to kind of get confused on where they are because there's no uh, point of interest. There's nothing around. And then off in the distance, uh, the hologram actor appears and they say, oh, where's the way out? And he points and says, that's the way out. And they look behind and they said, oh, well, that's where we came from. But magically appears uh, like a doorway yep. out into the chaos of the concrete uh, yes. city that they came from. Mm-hmm. So uh, George Lucas in his three acts of his movie. Um, so it's three different ways to explain the theme of leaving home. So the first one is he falls in love with L-U-H, and that's more of the conventional way. And then them going through the abyss is the more abstract way. And that's, for me, very jarring, just to see them walk in a void, yeah, like aimlessly trying to find the exit. Kind of terrifying. And then the third act is the action way of leaving home. So after they go through the doorway and they go into the hustle and bustle of hundreds of thousands of people just walking around. So after they get through that, what happens? Well, they end up getting separated and SCN finds, as you had mentioned before, the production studio of their state ran propaganda. And he's led on his own bit of a chase where he ends up uh, sitting on a bench and he sees some children. Right. And at that moment, I mean, he knew his his run was over and I think he wanted to take that time to appreciate, you know, something that... Because they don't live in a society where they take a step back to appreciate anything. Everything is work, 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 you know, production. So he used his last moments as a free individual to appreciate these two children you know and they're still pure in a sense um before he's taken away by the extremely polite gestapo (laughs) yeah like a a velvet covered uh, iron fist yes yeah so then after um sen is captured um uh thx learns the fates of luh Yes, that she was devoured. What was the word that they used for it? Um, I th- can't remember the word, but essentially her, she was killed yeah. and used to, well, she was pregnant, but then they harvested her fetus and put that in a 
jar. Yeah. So it's either she was killed and, you know, they extracted her unborn child. And then what's interesting is like, so uh, THX and the hologram find where people come from. And it's kind of like an incubation Consumed. Area. She was consumed. She was consumed. Yes. Makes you wonder what she was consumed yeah, by. Yeah, that word makes... I always think of being eaten. Yeah. yeah. So maybe maybe there's a, a beast yeah. in the belly of the megastructure. So what's interesting is that that tube where the fetus is, it's L-U-H. It's, it says L-U-H, um, L-U-H-3417, which is her exact name. So for me, the way I interpreted the movie is... You know, also, because like he had the the story of leaving the comforts into the unknown, but also I felt like there was a spiritual journey aspect to it in three different ways, and so maybe that is a symbol for like reincarnation, because like, is it the same numbers being used over and over and over again, or is it new people? Because if you really think about it, they don't really need to have new names. If they serve the same function, yeah, because they only are they only exist for one single purpose. So once they feel as if their time is over, they're consumed and reborn into hell. I wouldn't say that this reincarnation is to, you know, because that the the theory of reincarnation is to live a different life and maybe uh, not make up for what you didn't do in your previous life, but maybe to look at life a different way and right. to, and things like that. But this is definitely the opposite of that, that if this is, you know, reincarnation, it's just a perpetual hell that, you know, you're, you're consumed and then reborn mm-hmm. to save, serve the same purpose. Um, so it's a very bleak outlook yeah. at their existence. It's like LUH was eliminated and erased. Like, just like that with like a in a blink of an eye but who's to say though if if she did regenerate to this the version we saw that she wouldn't still make those decisions mm. again so does the that spirit like a predestined yes is that the, does her consciousness consciousness or her spirit get erased and she's born into a new she looks the same, but a different part, like, you know, different mind or will she continue to try to, to get out of that situation? It's kind of like, uh, memories in a, like, it's kind of like memories explored in like Blade Runner with like the different replicants. And it's like, it's like, yeah, they're the same person and they have like the same memories and like, do those memories persist? Like, are they different? Like, it's it's definitely an interesting thought to think about. Like, would she be the same person even though she's, like, cloned? Or I guess that's a, a chance they're willing to take if uh, it means another person on the production line. So um, after they leave that area, um, the hologram and THX take it upon themselves to escape by force. Which is they steal some race cars. Very cool, futuristic race cars. Oh, yeah. So THX um, starts the ignition and drives off. Uh, High-speed chase ensues. And what happens to our hologram friend? Well, he's a little too big 
to get into the car. <laughs> he finally squeezes himself in, and I don't know if it's his hologram self that can't quite figure out how to start the car, mm-hmm. but he has problems with starting it. The The robot police are almost there to capture him. He finally gets the car started mm-hmm. and immediately crashes into a pole. Yeah, that surprised me. Yeah, I thought... I was expecting him to get captured, mm-hmm. but I didn't think it was going to be immediately. It's very visceral. It's yeah. Just like goes and he just slams. slams into, as soon as that car starts, slams into a pole. Yeah. It's funny how the most technological thing in the movie can't operate a car. Yes. Like uh, THX does it with ease, but a thing that's designed by technology can't operate another technology. And it just shows that people do the purpose that the people serve that because clearly robots can't do the job that the humans are doing. So that's why they're kept around Mm -hmm. that they weren't ultimately replaced by other robots created by robots. Yeah. So it kind of goes to show you that maybe the AI takeover won't work in the end because they still need us. Oh, or maybe it's going to be like a matrix situation where we're the batteries of the robots. We <laughs> <laughs> you going to talk about this. For I hours. think the, the, the combinations and the theories are endless on what our place amongst AI, you know, where, where that stands. Right. So THX gets away and he's driving off and he gets to a point outside of the megastructure or getting close to outside that megastructure. And what's interesting for me is like, we see a society and it looks pretty clean, like pretty sterile. And then he gets closer to the outside and it gets more and more like dark, uh, gets more beaten down. So kind of, it looked unfinished. Like the society maybe was in the process of expanding. Cause there was a, Towards the end of his chase, weren't there work? There was workers that he crashed through their scaffolding. Yes, yeah. So we're kind of led to believe that this concrete city was in the process of expanding through this highway he was driving on, and Mm -hmm. uh, he kind of ruined that because he crashed through what they were working on. Yeah. You know what's interesting about um, that scene is a lot of those... um, like sceneries were just places in San Francisco. Yeah, it was their underground tunnel that I believe was still being worked on. Yep. So that's why it looked the way it did. Yeah, the BART system. Yeah. What's interesting, I was getting like time machine vibes. Have you seen the time machine? No. So in the time machine, we have this scientist that goes to the far future and he sees, I guess, what humanity becomes and they become like these monster creatures. And we see monster creatures as we're leaving the structure. Like we see like, I would say mutants from the outside. And we don't really know what's happening on the outside other than there is life and it doesn't seem to be very nice. Do you think the earth can become inhospitable like that? Well, if you're led to believe the climate change theory that yeah i mean things are going to evolve in a way to survive 
depending on what the climate conditions are. So I definitely could see that if the earth is heating up, you know, things are going to evolve to survive. And that may not look like something that's very uh, gentle. Yeah. Like I could totally see it happening if we're, we're not too careful. Yeah. So THX evades police and he climbs to the top of the structure. I think it's a structure. Yeah. Like, there's it's a tunnel there's a long uh ladder you know fixed into the concrete and he's climbing up it and the robot policeman is right behind him being polite you know oh everything's going to be okay if you just come down um (laughs) but as this chase was unfolding we're we have cuts to a kind of command center and it shows how much the chase is costing the state (laughs) yeah and uh, throughout most of it, uh, this voice over the the intercoms was saying, "Oh, we're we're doing okay. This this uh, is under budget, mm-hmm. uh, and it shows you know how much under budget." And then at the end, as uh, the robot policeman is uh, on his tail going up this ladder, it the chase hit over budget, <laughs> and at that point, the profit margin was no more, and yep. the police robot had to uh leave him to see what is on the other side of that ladder yeah so i thought that was funny that like we're spending too much money too much money yep let him uh, figure it out so my favorite shot of the entire movie is the end so he gets out of the structure which i believe is an underground structure underneath the the surface of whatever planet they're on and it's the sun setting and the way it's shot. They make the sun so huge. And to achieve that, they used a thousand millimeter length lens. And to put that in perspective, like a normal camera is like 50 millimeters. So this lens is about four feet long. And it was like the prized possession of Francis Ford Coppola. So they used that to get that one shot. And it was very well uh, used. But did you interpret that as the sun setting or the sun rising? I always thought it was setting. Could be rising. Because I felt as it was rising, because, you know, obviously movies are always filled with symbolism. That's yeah. unavoidable. As, as So I felt as if the sun rising was the more of symbolism for a new beginning for THX on the surface of the planet um as far as instead of setting where i felt like that message would be like this is the end of his of his uh existence and he would uh cease to exist in any in, on the surface of the the planet so i i always thought it was rising that makes more sense unless george lucas has said that it was setting but oh, if know, he did it's no. wrong. George Lucas is wrong in his own movie. <laughs> I think, you know, that, that makes more sense that it's probably rising because it's a hopeful ending. Um, he escaped the clutches of his, uh, governments. So like everything is kind of like on the up and up, but we don't really know what happens to THX. Nope. And that's kind of like where his story ends is where Star Wars begins. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I was going to say where Neo's journey <laughs> begins. Same thing with Truman Show. He's like, he breaks through the uh, the dome that he's been inhabiting. And, you know, then his story begins. And we don't really know what happens. And then with this one, it's the same, same story. Where 
What if out. this was, uh, what if THX 1138 was Anakin's father? Bum, bum, bum. You know, I could start a YouTube channel with that theory. Just saying. I mean, it makes a lot. I mean, it could, it could be. <laughs> Qui-Gon, Qui-Gon is like, oh, yes, who was the father? Uh, this man named THX. <laughs> <laughs> this one, yeah. Uh, we're going to say no father. That makes no sense. <laughs> that, that would be great. So to end the show, we'd like to do the one reason why. So what would be one reason you would recommend this movie to somebody? I would recommend it for the same reason why I wanted to watch it is because we all know George Lucas mm-hmm. for Star Wars. Some know him also for Indiana Jones. Um, we know, we know the style of film he likes to, um, make. He likes that adventure, drawn out adventure with several parts, like with Indiana Jones with Star Wars. Um, trekking through space or checking trekking through jungles and and things like that but this is the complete opposite you know where we have star wars as this big universe with many planets and thx 1138 were underground in this concrete city um so i would watch it because it's a it's a different kind of george lucas film Mm. it has a different feeling a different vibe to me a different way of filming um you know like i said in the beginning i I felt immediately very stanley kubrick vibes in this film Mm -hmm. and i know that's the style of that era as star wars was probably what eight years after this uh yeah 77 so um yeah so i would watch it uh if you want just a a different take of a george lucas film Mm -hmm. um that almost feels like that uh like a piece of art. Yeah. Um, yeah. Watching this movie or rewatching this movie. Um, I got a lot of respect for George Lucas. Yes. Because, yeah. you know, easily you can see him as like this, like pop movie type of guy where he makes, you know, star Wars or Indiana Jones. But like this movie is super avant-garde. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I would recommend this to somebody is because it, 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 it it's a very deep movie. Like it, you can interpret this movie in a whole bunch of different ways because it is very minimal. It's, it's a very art house sci-fi movie. Um, like the themes of. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods 
for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Because you really have to think about it. So, like, this movie is kind of a, a reflection of 60s life. And, like, during that time, it was the height of the Cold War. East versus West. Eastern collectivism. Western individuality. And, like, you could totally see those two ideas coming together and clashing um, in this film. And then with the fears of being different, the fears of being something that goes against uh, societal norms, whether it's McCarthyism or, in THX's case, uh, eroticism. Yes, eroticism. So the reason why I would recommend it is because it's a great movie. It's like a think piece. It's kind of like if emotions can be a movie, that would be it. Agreed. That's it for this time on Syndicate. We hope you enjoyed yourself. We've been talking about THX 1138 by George Lucas. Please check it out where it is available. And I'd like to take a moment to thank my guest, Anthony, for coming on the show. This was a great experience, and hopefully I'll uh, join you for a few more in the future. Awesome. I look forward to it. And if you'd like to keep the conversation going, please add us at Syndicate on your favorite social media platform. That's C-I-N-E-D-I-C-A-T-E syndicates and if you have any questions about the program or even media that we recommend please reach out at info at syndicate.com or visit the website syndicate.com until next time stop that scroll and spend more time watching bye <laughs>